Good, good morning again. Um, like I said earlier, today is, is Trinity Sunday, um, so I'd like to issue an invitation. If any of you would like to come up here and talk about the Trinity, you're more than welcome. I have any takers? Tim? Jones? No? Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, the Trinity is, is one of those... Um, Things that, 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 that we believe as Christians that is, I, I would say, is probably the essential belief for us as Christians. I mean, it, it is essential. Everything that we know about God and everything that God does and how He works in our lives um, flows out of our belief in Trinity. And, and, and so it's very, it's important to kind of at least wrestle with, even, even if we will never fully comprehend it, to at least wrestle with it some. And so, you know, the, the church calendar sets aside one day every year to talk about the Trinity. One, one God, and yet somehow three people, three persons. One God, three persons. And so we worship one God, and yet we believe... Um, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all God. And there's a level of mystery there that we have to, that we have to work out. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. Um, maybe, maybe if you have an iPad or a Bible or, or even your phone, you pull this up. It's Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to maybe try to get it on the screen. Yeah, there it is. Isaiah chapter 6, starting at verse 1. And this is... Um, for me personally, this is, is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. We have um, Isaiah. He's a prophet, a prophet sent to the nation of Israel, and he, is, he has been being commissioned by God, being sent out to his people to proclaim the greatness and the holiness of God. And so, so he's, he's given a vision. He's, he's called up into the throne room, into the, the temple room of God to be given this vision um, be given this commissioning to the nation of Israel. And in this, in this text here this morning, we see you know, three things about this Trinitarian God that, that we profess our faith in. And, and one we see is this God, uh, this is very clear in this passage, this God is infinitely holy. This is a holy God. The, even the, um, the, the, the seraphim that are there in the throne, they say, holy, holy, holy. We just sang it. We sang that word holy was throughout our song, our, our worship this morning. Holy are you, God. And so we see we have a Trinitarian God who is infinitely holy. We have a Trinitarian God who is um, redemptive. We, have a, a, we believe in a God who redeems. Who redeems us? And we're going to talk about that more. What does it mean and what, why does it matter that God is Trinity for our, our redemption, our salvation? And finally, we have a, a God that sends us out, a Trinitarian God that is all about mission. That's all about proclaiming the gospel and, and serving others. That's, that's how we're going to look at this passage this morning. And so we'll, we'll jump right in in Isaiah um, chapter 6, verse 1, and you know, it starts out just like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And so we've got to ask this question, what did Isaiah see? What did he see? Because, because what he's seeing in the person who will give him this commission, it's very important to know who this is. 
And so he goes into the temple. Now, the temple was massive. I mean, we're talking way bigger than Door Hall. I mean, this place was huge. And Isaiah is given this vision, and he goes, he goes, and what does he see? He sees the train of the robe of God. And so imagine God is, as king wearing his, his, his robe, and Isaiah sees his train. Some, some translations, there's some, some confusion about exactly what this word means. It might just mean the hymn. Okay, so this, this little piece, gentlemen, of your pants, that's your hymn. And that's what Isaiah sees filling the temple. Is the hymn of God's robe. I mean, talk about holy and glorious. And, and, and that's all he sees. And so we have to think, what, what, who is this God that he's looking at? Um, so let's sneak ahead, maybe carry to the, the, almost the last verse. We'll, we'll come back to this. But there's a little clue in here where it says in verse... Eight. God's asking them a question. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Do y'all see that right there on the screen? Whom shall I send? So whom shall I send? That's a singular pronoun. Who will go for us? That's a plural pronoun. Pronoun. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And so we have this little hint here, even in Isaiah, of a God who is somehow one God and yet multiple persons. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And this, this isn't unique to Isaiah. Even There's twice in Genesis that, that when God creates man, he says, um, he says in Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. And and, and the, the Tower of, of Babel, man is, is um, very sinful at this point. They're, they're trying to build a tower to reach God. And God looks down and he says, um, let us go down and thwart their plans. Make it to where they can't fulfill their, their, what they're trying to do. But he says, let us go down. Let us make man in our image. Who will go for us? This is, there's a plurality to the one God. We've got to wrestle with this. It's really hard to, to, to understand, and, and sometimes I just wish. I mean, it'd be, be so nice if, if after Revelation, there was another book maybe called, like, Trinity. And if it would just explain this just a little bit more, it would, it would please me to no end. Um, some of you are probably comfortable, and you're like, yeah, but that's cool. Three and one, I get it. I don't get it. But, but, but I'm working on it. And so what we have to decide is, what is the Bible clear about? What, what does the Bible tell us? And Deuteronomy 6 uh, in the Old Testament um, it says this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. One God. Yet in the, in the New Testament, we also say, um, we say that, yes, God the Father is God and worthy of worship. God the Son, Jesus Christ, is, is God and worthy of worship. God, the, the Holy Spirit, is God and worthy of our worship. And so we have one and three, and, and they're, they're, it's eternal. No, none of the, the Holy Spirit wasn't created. Jesus wasn't created. They are eternally God, and they will be God throughout eternity. And so we have to wrestle with this. And, and there's a good analogy um, out there that, that, that Mike very graciously sent to me. Um, think about the sun. You, see, you know, you see the sun in the sky, and it's up there, and it's one sun, and it's a ball, a ball in the sky. And yet, you also know the sun as heat, 
and you know the sun as light. So you have the sun, and it's heat and light, and it's all these things at the same time, and, and somehow God is, is similar to that. We can't even say he's just light. We, can't, we don't have words for this. But think, you can think about it in that way, and that's one way to think about how it works, but this God that Isaiah saw in the temple room, uh, maybe even a more important thing to dwell on is um, how does he relate to himself? How does Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, how do they relate to, to each other? And so you have this holy God, and part of what makes him holy is how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together. And, and the Bible is constantly saying, especially in John's Gospel, um, how they glorify one another. The Father brings glory to the Son by raising Him from the dead. The Son brings glory to the Father by, by obeying Him, even to the point of death. The Holy Spirit brings glory to the Father and Son by, by filling the people of God and by sending them out. And so we have these, these three persons of the Trinity and somehow they're all serving one another and glorifying one another. And Isaiah comes into that throne room and he sees this glory and he is freaking out. He's freaking out. Now, we, we'll back up a little bit because we hear about the love of God. And, and, and this all sounds very nice, this self-sacrificing of God. And, and, and we like that. That feels good, that, that Jesus died for our sins. And we, he did do that. That's the truth. And, and we embrace that, and that's easy to read. Um, it's not necessarily easy to read this passage in Isaiah. We have these, these six-winged, fiery creatures flying around. And, and, and these, these things are holy Yet they cannot even look at God. They're covering their eyes. They're covering their feet. When they praise Him, the whole temple shakes and smoke fills the room. This, this is a terrifying picture. And so we've got this God who, who, who maybe is a little scary. And we've got the God of our gospel, you know. Um, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to the end that all who believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And we have Isaiah, woe is me! Oh, God so loved the world. Woe is me! God so loved the world. How, what are we going to do with this? Well, well, what we like to do with it is we, 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 we're really comfortable in our New Testaments. We're really comfortable there. It, it feels good. There's some hard things in there, and, and we can read through those really quickly. Um, but there's a lot of love language, and it warms the heart. And so we, we maybe ignore the Old Testament. We say, well, that God in the Old Testament, he's changed. Maybe he went to anger management or something. He didn't do that, by the way. <laughs> but that's what we're trying to reconcile. And that's what we're trying to come with grips with. And, and somehow we have to say, we, we've got the holiness of God that, that, that is terrifying, and the love of God that is embracing. And Isaiah, I would say, seeing both of those in, in this vision, in this temple. So let's, let's go on. So, so God is, is holy. And he is, um, the second thing, though, is, is He is redemptive. He is redemptive. Look, look at what happens next. So we're back at the beginning um, so Isaiah says this in verse 4. Well, so the foundations, they shake. And then Isaiah says, woe is me. Verse 5, woe is me, 
For I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe is me. Isaiah is terrified. And, and here's why. When, when, when Isaiah, unholy Isaiah, comes into the presence of a holy God, he is just um, frightened beyond belief. Um, who, who in here likes to go to the doctor? Nobody. Really? Why not? It'd be a little scary, and they're going to poke and prod you some, and they might give you a shot, and, and you don't really know what they're going to find out, and they're probably going to tell you to stop eating french fries or something good like that. And, 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 and here's the deal. You're, just, you're lying there or sitting there, and, and you're totally, you've got this doctor who, who knows what you're doing to yourself, and you're coming under his judgment. And he's saying, he knows what's best for you, but he said, you've got to shape up. You've you got to get yourself together. And it doesn't feel good, does it? It doesn't feel good to come under that judgment. It doesn't feel good to come under the judgment of God. And so unholy Isaiah, he's looking at his life, and he sees this holy God, this perfect you know, three-in-one trinity where, where God is serving and loving himself unconditionally. He says, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that in my life. I'm not doing that with my family. I'm not doing that at the office. I'm not serving others like God is. And and he comes before him and he knows he stands condemned in the face of this God. But do you see what happens? One of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand. Now, now, if a fiery creature with six wings picked up a piece of fire and was flying at you, you probably would be really scared. Um, but, but, but what happens next? He, he takes his coal from the altar and he puts it to Isaiah's lips. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And it's an amazing God of redemption. And there's a, a detail in here that, that for some reason, I, I, I love this passage. I'd never noticed it before. That coal, that coal came from the altar, from the burning sacrifice. And so in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament days, God had, this loving God had set up a system for his people to be redeemed. And, and the way they did that is, is through a bunch of different sacrifices. But once a year, the, the, the high priest would come and he would sacrifice a lamb to God and offer it up and, and burn incense before him and offer the sacrifice. And, and God would atone the sins of the nation of Israel so they wouldn't be destroyed. And they had to do this every year. And the, this seraph, this creature, takes this coal from the, the burning sacrifice. And this coal forgives Isaiah, atones for Isaiah's sin. And this, friends, is, this is a Trinitarian God because we see this in the Old Testament and then we look to the New Testament and we said, there's a sacrifice that we don't have to make every year. That Jesus Christ, God, the second person of the Trinity, came down and walked on this earth and became man to take our sinful nature upon himself. And so he didn't sin. And he went to the cross, took our sins to the cross. And made atonement, offered forgiveness. Your sins are forgiven. Your guilt, your guilt, you know your guilt. We all feel guilty. You've got it on your hearts. I'm here to tell you this morning, 
that is gone. God has taken that away. He doesn't see it anymore. We have a goldfish. Um, and he sits in a, a clear bowl on our counter. His name is Edward. He's named after my brother-in-law. Um, and it, it's, well, it's not really my goldfish, but I, I've cleaned him and feed him um, and <laughs> take him for walks. And so, <laughs> so I was cleaning the tank one day, and, and I'm a little funny about this. The, the, the water gets really dirty, so the way I do it is I fill a glass up with dirty water. I put the goldfish in it. I clean the tank. I fill the tank with clean water, put some of that solution in it, and then I've got to get the goldfish and the dirty water into the tank full of clean water, and it presents a little bit of a dilemma. And so my, my solution is to pour out as much water from that cup over the sink as I can without losing the goldfish, and then dump the goldfish into the bowl. Make sense? So, one time the goldfish fell out, and, <laughs> and we have a disposal. And, and so I was talking to Lanier, and I was doing this, and, and, I, and she, said, she was saying, be careful that the goldfish doesn't fall out. And I said, oh, the goldfish never falls Oh. And, and, and this goldfish is in the disposal, and I look in there. He's, like, flapping around. And I look at my wife, and I'm like, I'm sorry for the goldfish. <laughs> she says, what? You can't do that. And so, so I stick my, my hand in this nasty garbage disposal, and I pull out this goldfish. And he's a little bit wounded, but he's no worse for the wear. And I, I put him back in his tank. And, and, friends, God is looking down on you. And seeing you flapping around in this nasty, sinful state you're in. And he's reaching down his hand. He's sacrificing his son to pull you out, to give you life. We believe in a Trinitarian God of redemption. That's not all. We move on. So, so Isaiah is... His sins are forgiven. And then um, the, the last slide. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. Compare this man. This man who, who, who comes before God and he's trembling. Woe is me. And then his sins are forgiven. God says, who am I going to send? Who am I going to send to my people? Who am I gonna, who's going to tell about the glory? And Isaiah's like, pick me, I'm right here, pick me. The, 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 the change in this man is, is amazing when his sins are forgiven. And, and so we have this, this Trinitarian God who is a missional God. He created us because, just because, because he wanted to share himself. And we blew that one. But he keeps coming after us. He's missional. He sends Jesus Christ on mission to redeem us. And now he sends us, his people, on mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost. And he does it through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so so we're called, friends, to, to, to be here and to serve God and to worship God and to enjoy our fellowship. But we're, we're called to go out. Here I am, send me. And we go out and we remember the God we're serving and we remember the God we're proclaiming, the God who gives of himself over and over again. 
You know, God the Father, God the Son, glorifying one another, inviting us to do that. And he says, do that in your relationships. Do that in your house, in your office. Self-sacrificing love proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ pulled you out of that mess, and he's saying, you go into that mess and pull somebody else out. Show them my love. Show them my grace. And he's inviting us to do that through the power of his Holy Spirit. You can't do it yourself. You'd be flapping around like the goldfish if you tried. But God can do it. And he will do it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your holiness. We thank you for your redemption. We thank you that you equip us and empower us to go out on mission. And we thank you, Lord, that somebody else who had accepted that call, somebody who said, here I am, Lord, send me. We thank you that that person found us. Equip us now, Lord, to to find somebody else. And help us, Lord, to always rely on the power of your Holy Spirit and to always come back to your cross and your grace and your forgiveness. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.